0: Welcome to week two of Women of the Bible. Last week we looked at Proverbs 31. We discussed what a godly uh, woman looks like according to uh, Scripture, and uh, we saw that she's she's precious. We saw that she's she's a leader. She's welcoming. She's she's wise. Um, and uh, I mentioned that some people think that when we read this, uh, King Lemuel wrote. Proverbs 31 some people think that it was actually Solomon who was writing Proverbs 31 under a pen name. Now we cannot unequivocally uh say that this is this is absolutely true. We can only speculate uh because there's not enough proof to really uh to really say it for sure, but if it was Solomon who wrote it, then Proverbs 31, if he's talking about his mother, is none other than Bathsheba, right? Now you think about that for a moment because he's writing all of these things in Proverbs 31 about what a wonderful person his mother is. And he could possibly be talking about Bathsheba. Now, when we think of Bathsheba, most people, when we talk about her, we think about her. We don't necessarily think about her in a very positive light, do we? We think about that one thing that she did that we know her for in Scripture. And it's not something that we think about is really all of that that glowing of a thing that she did. But if Solomon did write Proverbs 31, he's telling generations about how incredible his mother was. And isn't that just like God to use someone who a lot of people really didn't respect all that much to bring incredible blessings to so many women down through the years when Proverbs 31 was written. Again, we can't 100% say this, but it's kind of neat to think about, isn't it, that it's possible that Proverbs 31 is all about Bathsheba. Well, again, when we say the name Bathsheba, we don't necessarily think of it as all, all that positive of a thing. Now, when I say the name Rahab, We don't exactly think of positive thoughts as well, do we? Anyone who knows the Bible knows that Rahab has a title associated with her name. It's always Rahab the what? The prostitute, right? It's always Rahab the prostitute. Now, how would you like to live with that for the rest of your life? How would you like to have that title Uh, Attached to your name for generations and generations and generations to come. No, nobody would like that, right? You don't see ladies' groups in churches having Rahab circles right? You see Naomi, you see Deborah, you see Esther. There, we, We've we got a sign-up sheet at the back for you today. We're going to start a Rahab. No, we're not going to do that. That would be absolutely stupid. But But we don't think of her in positive terms all that much. But when we read the New Testament, when we see what Rahab did, we see that she is included with all of the Hebrews of or all of the, the heroes of the faith that we read about in Hebrews chapter eleven. And so today, and, and I gotta I gotta admit to you, up until Wednesday of this week, I was planning to preach on Esther. And for some reason the Lord's like, nah, that's too easy. That's too easy. Everybody knows Esther, that's too clean, that's too neat. We need to deal with something that's a little bit more messy. And so I turned my attention to to Rahab who according to the standards of the world would be considered unfit. She would be someone that the world would consider un- or ill-equipped or unprepared to do anything for the kingdom of God. It's not really somebody that we could look up to in terms of the world's standards. And we wouldn't say, hey, this is an example of somebody that, that you really want to pattern your life after. And yet, after we see what happened in her past, when we see her immoral lifestyle and we see everything that she did in her past, God took her and so radically changed her life that not only is she mentioned in the heroes of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11, she's included in the genealogy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right? We, we look at this this woman, and and we wouldn't think that we would have much to say about her at all because of her sordid past, but when we read scripture, we see God took her and just radically changed her life. Isn't it awesome whenever we see somebody that society has written off and said, this is somebody that really won't amount to much of anything, uh, but then something great comes in them. We've done this. God's not... Uh, uh, done doing this sort of thing by the way and and he can do that with with anybody and and we read about different people in scripture here's something that was said about one person on his high school report card it said this person doesn't wear socks doesn't cut his hair might be mentally impaired they actually wrote something different and I wanted to clean that up a little bit the young man they're describing was Albert Einstein Right, And he was so radically changed. Society looked at him and said he could possibly, he can't add anything to society. Another man was being interviewed for a football coaching position. They came back and said, well, he knows a little bit about football, but he probably won't go too far. That man was Vince Lombardi. Right. Another report of two young men said they have crazy ideas. They are idealistic. They're actually somewhat comical. Those two young men were... Wilbur and Orville, right. And so this type of thing happens down through the years, out, uh, throughout history, and many people will look at these people and say, well, they really can't do anything for society. And we do the same thing in the church. We look at people and we say, well, because of who they are and what they've done in their past, God couldn't possibly use them. But we look at this story of Rahab, right? It's incredible. It's incredible. When you stop and think about how God changed her. We look in Matthew chapter 1. It mentions four women of the Old Testament. And they're a part of the greatest genealogy ever recorded. That's the genealogy of Jesus Christ. There's four women, Tamar, Bathsheba, Ruth, and Rahab. Right, And so they are listed. These four women are listed with some of the greats of the Hebrew faith. You've got men like Abraham, you've got Isaac, you've got Jacob, you've got David, you've got Solomon, you've got kings like Jehoshaphat, Ahaz, Hezekiah, you've got all of these incredible men that are mentioned that are iconic in Jerusalem's history. And right in the middle of this, you've got four women that, it's incredible, they're even listed in the first place because they didn't with, usually list women in genealogy genealogies because women weren't important enough back then in their eyes to even list them. And it's remarkable because right here in the middle of all these men, you've got these four women. And then of these four women, you've got Rahab, the prostitute, right? Who God is saying, listen, something incredible is going to come out of her life or something has come out of their lives. There were two women in this genealogy. They weren't even Israelites. Ruth and Rahab, they weren't even Israelites. And the other two, not as virtuous as you'd expect, right? And so God puts them in, and one of them, Rahab, ends up in the hall of faith, right? That's basically like, when you're looking at all of these incredible people, this is Like when you think of baseball, you think like Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb and Mickey Mantle and all those people and basketball, you're thinking Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, all these incredible people. These are the big ones. And and this is what Hebrews 11 basically is. It's all of these incredible people that God used in incredible ways and right in the middle of it. Here's what it says. It was by faith. This is verses 30 and 31 in Hebrews 11. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who re- refused to obey God for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies you say okay that's great what's this got to do with anything I want to look at this story for just a little bit here this morning it happened right after the children of Israel were um, delivered from um, the the uh, the land of, of wandering around in the wilderness for 40 days they enter the promised land and so they come to about six miles outside of, of where they were. Uh, there's a city called Jericho, and it was a well-fortified city. And when I say it was well-fortified, this is basically w- what, what I'm talking about. That's kind of an understatement because the way I understand it is it, it had a wall around the city Uh, that was about four stories tall. And then there was another wall within that wall that also... So it was basically two sections of walls that were around the city that was about four stories tall. And there were inns and there were, um, um, I guess, probably... You know, maybe a place you could get a bite to eat, and then there were also places where Rahab worked, if you know what I'm talking about and 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 that was all on the outside. There were all of these businesses that people could could visit and and so this was the area that basically served a a less savory kind of crowd okay. We'll just kind of clean that up a little bit and one of these places this is where Rahab lived and so to check out these fortifications, here's what happened. Just so that Joshua could see, okay, what are we up against? He's, he sends a couple spies into the land. And the best way to find out the kind of information that they wanted to find out was to visit these less than desirable places, right? And so the spies go into these places, and, and you know, Rahab... they. they she meets him, and, and, and you know that, that she's been around a little bit. She knows what these guys are up to. She knew that these two guys weren't here just for a bed and breakfast, but they wanted some information. And so it seems as though she wasn't the only one that saw what was going on here. There were some people, some, some men that saw what was going on as well, and, and so they reported these guys. Immediately. The authorities sent for Rahab to turn in these two young men. But instead of turning them over and receiving a reward, she hid them on her roof when the king's men came looking for them. And here's what it says in Joshua chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, Yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Now, this story is not an endorsement for lying, okay? I want you to understand that. That doesn't mean you can say what you need to say to get out of a jam, okay? But that's what I like about the Bible, and that's why I believe that the Bible is 100% true. The Bible recorded what she did, all of the messy details. It it basically points out that that even though... um, People were not exactly 100% squeaky clean. The Bible tells the true condition of humanity with all of its faults and all of its failures. And, And there's a good lesson here, especially when it comes to our faith with God. And that first lesson is this. God will take us just as we are. God is so gracious. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't say, listen... You got some potential, okay? And so before you come to me, you go get yourself cleaned up, and you come back, and then we'll talk. God, God will take us just as we are. I'm so thankful for that. Because when he accepted me, I really didn't have my act together all that much. And he doesn't demean us. He doesn't condemn us. He starts with right where we're at. And then as we begin to walk with him, he polishes us up and he changes us from the inside out. And not only does he clear our debt, not only does he give us a fresh start with him, the Bible says he adopts us into his family. That's amazing, guys. Don't ever underestimate what it means to be adopted into the family of God. Can you imagine what would happen if you were going financially bankrupt and you went to one of your creditors and you said, here's here's what I want you to do, dear creditor. I want you to clear my debt. I want you to give me a brand new start, and then I want you to adopt me into your family. Would you do that for me? No. That person at that institution is going to look at you like you've lost your mind, and they're going to recommend you to another kind of institution. Right? But God doesn't do that. God says, I know you are spiritually bankrupt. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to clear your debt. I'm going to give you a brand new start. And I'm going to adopt you as one of my own dear children. And as we begin this walk of faith, we we enter into this loving relationship. We start this walk with Jesus. and, And it changes us. And the more time we spend with Jesus. You ever notice that when when, when you hang around somebody, you start to take on some of the things that they do, right? You, you, you ever think about that? You know, like, like um, I didn't used to talk like a hilljack until I started hanging around Caleb. And now I hang around Caleb and it's like, y'all want to go do something? You know, and, and uh, it, d- d- but don't we do that? I mean, it's not that severe. Suvi- I mean, it's close. But, but, but. We, we do that sort of thing, and we start acting like, and we, we take on some of the things that they do, and we don't even realize we're doing it. And that's kind of what should happen with with Jesus. When we start to hang out with him, and we see the characteristics that are in him, and we see how he loves people, and we see the way he reacts, and we see the way he responds, we should want to, well, we not just want to, but we should naturally just gravitate toward those things and we become more like him now hey Rahab she realized she hadn't been living the way that she should have been living I believe Rahab had a conscience and I believe it was her conscience that brought her to her senses she realized that even though she hadn't been living the lifestyle that she should have for many years there was something she could do about it right now you see what she did for a living it was acceptable It was tolerated by society, but she was coming to a point in her life where God was speaking to her heart. And now she finds herself saying, this isn't right. What I've been doing is not right. It's not good. My attitude's not good. My words are not good. And I've got to make a change, and I've got to make a change now. I think this process began in Rahab's heart long before the spies ever came to town. I think the Spirit of God might have been moving in her long before the spies got there. Because here's the deal. People in Jericho had heard about what God was doing through the Israelites, right? Rahab had heard about the time that God parted the Red Sea and the Israelites walked across on on dry ground. And then, when the Egyptians came following, God closed the waters and the Egyptian army drowned. And and God heard about how, or, or Rahab heard about how God provided for the Israelites when they were wandering in the desert for 40 years and how all the times that he had helped Israel defeat their enemies. And so she concluded that there's something to this God. God is good. The gods that I have been serving are not what I thought they were. And and I think that, that he was doing a work in her heart, revealing who he truly was and that he truly exists. And then we see this conversation. I think this is all going on in her heart and in her mind. And then we see this in verses 9 through 11. I know the Lord has given you this land. This is Rahab talking to the spies. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We're all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and and the earth below. And so her faith in God began when she she began to understand who exactly God was. And that's that's where our faith begins. When we get to the point in our lives where we believe, hey, there's something to this God thing. There's something to this Jesus thing. When we begin to understand who he is, that's when our faith begins. Begins and Rahab gets the point in her life where she believes that God is the God of Israel, is the God that she wants to follow. She no longer wants to, to follow Baal or Ashereth. And so, in this heat of the moment, she believes so strongly in God that she decides to hide the spies and requested to the spies that, hey, listen. Don't forget about this. When, when the armies come in, remember me and my household. When you come in and defeat, when you take our city. And the spies agreed, and they gave her a scarlet cord to hang on the window so that when the city was defeated, she and her household would be saved. And by her faith in God, she'd be given a new beginning, a new chance at life have the opportunity to now dwell with God's people and serve the Lord. And look at Rahab's response in verse 21. I accept your terms, she replied, and she sent them on their way, way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. Now, this, this hanging of this scarlet cord is reminiscent. Remember when the Passover happened the first time and and. They were told that the Israelites were told to to paint blood on the doorposts and on the lintel in the doorway and and when the angel of death comes around will pass over you. this is the same thing that's happening here Hide the, or hang this cord hang this cord from the window and so when God's army comes through and is destroying everything around, they will pass by you and your life will be saved and so Rahab did that she hung the scarlet cord outside the window of her home and so when the troops saw this they Passed her by and her family was saved. And here's the cool thing about Scripture. Scripture is just so awesome. In the New Testament, we're told that these things, so we see the the blood of the Passover lamb on the doorpost. We see the scarlet cord hanging in the window that saved Rahab and her family. These things, Colossians tells us, is a shadow of, of the things to come in Jesus Christ. And so when God sees us cleansed by His Son's blood, His scarlet blood, we're saved. We don't have to fear death. Isn't that incredible? And so we're taught through this story of Rahab that She got real serious about her faith in a hurry, and then she was forgiven because of how she responded to the spies and how she believed in God, and she grabbed hold of faith for dear life, and then she didn't just stop there, right? She did something about it. It transformed her life. It gave her a brand new beginning. It gave her a brand new meaning for life, and there's a lot of people that I know of that that They've made a decision to follow Christ, they've been forgiven, but but there's little change in their lives to show that they really have a relationship with Jesus. There's little fruit that is produced in their lives to show the forgiveness that, that God has blessed them with. And so God uses Rahab's faith and forgiveness to teach us what it means to have faith is that after God takes us or as he accepts us just as we are, we have to do something about that. We have to express our faith in God. We have the faith, we believe, now do something with it. Right? I've been doing this Pat thing for about two and a half years now, so I've pretty much perfected it. (laughs) And and while carrying out my Pat duties, I've watched enough Mickey Mouse clubhouse, to be an expert. Can I get an amen? Any mamas, moms out there? All right. And in each episode, there's a situation that arises where we have to choose which mouscatool to use. Am I preaching to anybody here this morning? Right? And so, for instance, I, I watched one episode this week just to brush up on my mouscatool skills. And so, for instance, if Mickey is trying to call the cows in from the field. He will ask, what do I use? Do I use a pig? And then, you know, everybody sitting in the living room goes, uh-uh, you know. You do it too. Don't tell me you don't. You know, it's intended for the two-year-old to go, uh-uh, but we're going, no, not the pig. And, and do I use a handkerchief? Do I use a bullhorn? Or do I use the mystery Mouse mouscatool? spoiler alert it's the bullhorn okay if any of you are planning to watch anyway if you fall over let me ask you so you have to use the right tool for instance if you fall over a cliff and you're hanging onto a branch for dear life and someone is standing up there and they throw you a rope what are you going to do with it you're going to say no I don't want a rope give me a cup of coffee I actually might do that. Kendall, we might actually do that. Coffee first, then the rope. No, we're going to grab on to the rope because we're going to use whatever means possible to get out of the mess that we're in. And God has thrown us a rope. It's called faith. He's saying you cannot do this on your own. And he throws us this rope of grace and faith and mercy and he says I want you to grab hold of it, and I want you to hang on. Rahab knew that the decision that she made could cost her absolutely everything. She could have been caught, she could have been jailed, she could have been convicted of treason, she could have been executed for what she did. But she took this opportunity to grab hold of faith, and she did it. And look at the outcome in Joshua 6.25. So Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies Joshua sent to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. Listen, forgiveness is available for every one of us. But understand, it's not cheap. It's free to us, but it's not cheap. It was bought with a great price. Jesus paid the price when he died on the cross for our sins. And he offers forgiveness to all who grab hold of that by faith. It's kind of like Jesus is saying, take hold of the forgiveness I have for you and set yourself free. From the pain, from the sin, from the shame, all of those things that are keeping you bound up in despair, all of these things that are causing you so much disillusionment. Listen, I paid the price for all of that stuff. I'm throwing you a rope. Take hold of it. Grab hold of God's forgiveness. And we do so by faith, believing in what Jesus did for us on the cross, where he died and paid for our sins. And then, take your place in God's plan. You know, I, I think it's become cliche down for the, through the years. We, we've just thrown it around so much, I feel like that maybe it's lost some of its luster to us for some reason, but it's still true. God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life. He's got a plan for you. Take your place in God's plan for your life. Rahab took hold of God's forgiveness and used it. And then James talks about this as well. He uses Rahab to make... An incredible point in chapter 2, verses 25 and 26, Rahab the prostitute is another example. See, even a few thousand years later, James is still calling her that, right? Rahab the prostitute, another example, she was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Rahab acted by faith. She made a commitment to God. She became a follower of God. And James is saying, had she not done anything about that, then her faith is useless. I absolutely love the balance between the writer of Hebrews and and what James is saying about Rahab. The writer of Hebrews praises her faith and James praises her actions. And the argument is that faith, when it's not accompanied by actions, it's dead. And so I ask you today, I bring that up today to ask you, what step do you need to take today? What step of faith do you need to take today? What do you need to grab hold of today? Maybe it's that, that rope of, of faith in the first place. Maybe it's that rope of grace. Maybe you've done that. Or, or maybe there's something else that God is calling you to. Maybe it's an act of service. Maybe you've you've accepted Christ and, and you believe in him, but maybe you've not been, maybe you've not been baptized into him. Oh, maybe that's something you want to consider today. Water's warm, water's ready. If if you don't want to do it in the service, come over to my house after the service. The swimming pool's open, water's cold, but we'll do it privately over there. I don't care. But if that's something you need to do, do that. Maybe it's something where where you need to place your trust and your faith in God that he wants to use you for some type of ministry that you've just been sitting back on saying, well, no, God can never use me because uh, you don't know what I've done or I just don't have the ability to do that. No, don't sell God short. Rahab, she believed, she had the words right, she understood who God was, and then she acted in accordance with her belief. When she believed, she, she did something about it. And I think there's a lesson here for all of us. And it's that our actions need to match our words. We need to live out what we say we believe. I'm going to ask our worship team to come here this morning. And as they're coming, I, I just I want you to understand that God was so pleased with Rahab's faith that he placed her in the genealogy of Jesus. He mentions her among all the other greats of the faith. She was the great, great grandmother of King David. As a side note, it's been pointed out by people a whole lot smarter than I am that eight of Rahab's descendants were prophets, including Jeremiah. And so this woman with a questionable reputation by faith, took hold of God's forgiveness and decided to get serious about it. And she took her place in God's plan of redemption. And we need to get serious about our faith. And we need to get serious about the forgiveness we have received. I feel like sometimes we're guilty of just using faith to soothe our guilty conscience. Yeah, I'm saved. I'm good. God's grace covers it. I feel good about myself. God wants more than that. And I believe that if God can use the lowly, the despised, the abused, the rejected, all throughout Scripture like He did, including our example this morning, in order to... glorify His wonderful name, and give an example of His marvelous grace, and use us for His kingdom's purposes. If He could do that then, He can do it now. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, and we're going to, we're going to sing a song of decision. And um, if you have a need today, Kendall will be down here at the, the front to meet with you, um, pray with you, Whatever decision that might be, maybe it's a first time decision, maybe it's a recommitment, maybe it's a, you want to place membership, maybe you want to be baptized, whatever it is, whatever God is calling you to, would you, would you grab hold of that?